This episode of Beyond the Jargon was produced on Treaty 7 territory, home to members of the Blackfoot Confederacy, which includes the Bikani, Siksika, Kana, Stony Nakoda, and the Sutina First Nations. Treaty 7 is also home to the Métis Nation of Alberta Region Number 3. This episode was produced for CFUV Radio, a station that is situated on the traditional territories of Lekwungen and Wasanich peoples, whose historical relationships with the land continues to this day. You're walking along the dock nearby a local fishing harbor. The distinct smell of salt and seaweed wafts in the air as you make your way over to the end of the boardwalk surrounding the waterfront. The sea beneath you is buzzing with dormant strength. Among the crowds of clustered sailing vessels, you see something bobbing up and down in the distance. A buoy. Its distinct cone shape and fluorescent orange color make it easy to spot out amongst the ebbing waves and misty blue waters. But what was floating beside it? A meshed around the bobbing buoy is a green net. Maybe it was something that was lost during a storm or during the onloading or offloading process from commercial fishery workers. In today's episode of Beyond the Jargon, we'll be talking about the lost fishing gear of the Coast Salish Sea. Where does it come from? And what does it do to our oceans, habitats, and marine life when it reaches the oceans? Welcome to Beyond the Jargon, a podcast that aims to explore the work of graduate students here at the University of Victoria in a more demystified way. I'm your host, Funaro Obasoye, and today I'm joined with Environmental Studies master student, Katie Frankel. My name is Katie. I'm a first-year master's student at UVic, and I am studying reasons for commercial fishing gear loss in BC and looking at areas that are high risk so I can map them uh, on the Salish Sea. All right, so hello, Katie, and thank you so much for joining me here today. Yeah, totally. This kind of goes like way back to when I was a kid. I've always just really loved marine everything as a kid, every marine animal possible. And yeah, like I remember like going to the pet store with my dad and picking out fish for the aquarium and like all this stuff. Currently, there's minimal research in BC regarding lost fishing gear. However, There has been some recent work led by NGOs and environmental consultants involving predictive mapping and collaborative workshops. Worldwide, 70% of the weight of macroplastics in the ocean are fishing related, and 640,000 tons of ghost gear enter our oceans every year. 92% of encounters between marine animals and debris can cause lethal problems, while other issues include habitat degradation, marine navigational hazards, and commercial and fishery stock declines. $3.6 billion of commercial catch was landed for Canada in 2018. With fishing being such a large business in Canada and BC, it is important to understand the reasons for commercial fishing gear loss in BC, as this could offer insights into where future management action and funding should be targeted. 
Mm-hmm. And um, this is a little off script, but that just raises the question in my mind. Whose responsibility do you think it is to retrieve care that has been lost? Would it be the governments, these organizations, or the fishing companies themselves? That's a really good question. And like one thing I really like about the Global Ghost Gear Initiative's approach is they don't really blame anybody for gear loss. They're like, okay, look, it happens. That's just how how it is. Um, they definitely take the stance of like, it's it's already there, it's lost, let's all work together to figure it out. And so that's kind of how I view it too. I think that it's, you know, everyone's responsibility to do what they can to um, to help mitigate the issues. Um, gear retrieval is actually really dangerous and highly specialized. So of course there's only certain people who can do the boots on the ground gear retrieval work. Um, and there's off, like, you know, highly specialized divers and and fishers uh, are able to do that type of work. But I also think, you know, if you're in the fishery sciences, you're in marine conservation on a government level or an academic level, I think it is kind of also your responsibility to see what you can do to help. And that's a big, you know, reason why I wanted to come back to school. If I can make a little map of the Salish Sea that shows where high-risk areas can be, like that is helpful to hopefully to somebody and, um, you know, people who are in power can make those decisions to figure out where we can start planning these retrieval efforts and, you know, giving funding to organizations or supporting fishers. So I think it's kind of like everybody working together. Yeah, that was a really good answer. It kind of answers my question after that. Um, But if you did want to expand, the question was, What are some things that can be done to mitigate this problem to the best of your knowledge? Yeah. So um, in 2017, the Global Ghost Gear Initiative published their best practices framework, which is a two-part document showing how at different levels in the marine industry, everyone can help. And it covers stuff like um, on the fisher's end, like very clearly marking their gear and having good onboard storage so things don't get lost in a wave. Um, but also thinking on a fisheries management perspective, you know, having fishers decrease their soak times and having gear loss reporting protocols and, um, you know, decreasing overlap between different industries that might have gear that conflict with each other. So yeah, there's lots of different things that people at like all levels can do 